Give him thanks. Lift up your heart to God. Give him glory for his great love. What a plan. What an awesome thing that we would be included by his free grace into the family of God, forgiven, cleansed, with the hope of heaven, set free, washed, transformed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, God bless you all. Now we will dismiss children for children's church. Did we get it up? Not up? While Andy is trying to load today's message slides, you guys can go and then I, I, I want to address you because it, it, it brings to my mind a remembrance of something important and that is, do you, need, do you have any questions? you need any help? Pardon? You have to have my Apple ID? Just ignore it. Ignore that. I don't think you should have to have that. Okay. If you think I'm giving my Apple ID right in front of all these cats, man. I mean, look around, Jack. You know where this is? Man, we're downtown Brainerd. Come on. <laughs> Did you need it? Oh, we just ignore it. But what what I wanted to uh, say is that I mean this is a lot of. Does it feel a little last minute around here today? Does it possibly feel a little bit less organized and so forth? Well, Nick's not here. That's that's one thing. Uh, but both of our projectionists could not be here, and I knew we needed projection, so I showed up and got it ready this morning, <clears throat> and I discovered yesterday, in fact, I spent a few hours fiddling around, and it was a lesson for me that we take for granted the significant contributions of the people that sit back in that booth and take care of all this technical stuff from week to week. And uh, furthermore, it reminds me that we must... In fact, have more volunteers to really be able to pull this off so we don't have these unfortunate, hey, well, we're getting there. Now we're, at least we're, we're in Robert Evans' account. Just shout at me, man, if there's something that I can do to help you get there. So, uh, yeah, we need some volunteers. Uh, we, we, need some, we need some people on sound that would be willing to be trained in on sound. It helps if you have a musical ear and if you have some interest in technical kinds of things, you like to play around with uh, uh, you know, music and listening to music. Maybe you're a closet DJ and you want to like, load some tunes, have some fun, whatever. What an awesome ministry that is, though, to assist us. We have, you know, kind of a fairly high level of sophistication in terms of our sound equipment. It's analog, and that even makes it a little more difficult than the digital versions. And then we just need somebody that has some kind of expertise and interest in things like computers. And thank God Andy came in to help us out today to get us from point A to point B. Did you find Prezi.com? Does it recognize me at all there? It's loading. That's awesome. So when it, when it gets loaded, 
then just hit uh, presentation mode and we'll, we should be able to take it from there. Part of this confusion is, is that I had this incredible attraction to this new device. Uh, I, I couldn't do the, 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 what do you call it, pro presenter for messages and I wanted something that was a little more dynamic, that flows better. I don't know about you guys, but I really appreciated this. But it does take just a little fiddling around. Okay. So, in this series, and we should be showing that momentarily, it's taking an awful long time to load, isn't it? Um, don't worry. I'm, I'm not going to punish you for this, okay? There's, 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 there's no penalty. I'm not going to make you stay after class. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do this. Um, I'm going to load it here so I have my notes. Um, and here we are. So, oh, we're there. Now just hit that, yeah, present mode. Okay, so now I don't need this. Thank you. Thank you so much. So here's the series overview. Uh, this is all about falling in love with God all over again. It's, it's a seven-part series. This gets down to the roots of uh, what I told you last week is Ken Abramson, who happens to be here today. This is Andy's dad, Ken. A great, great influence in the very early stages. He helped me write the Constitution for Communitas and so forth. And he and Deanna, his lovely wife, uh, have huge contributions here. And not the least of which is, is to help me understand, like, this whole theology, this effective theology that I've been sharing with you for the last several weeks. And, uh, you know, you've, you know that I'm, I'm, I'm about the heart, Christianity is about the heart, and all those kinds of things. So, really, that's the inspiration for this uh, deal. Falling in love with the triune God, falling in love with the Father, with the Son, uh, with the Holy Spirit, which we talked about last week. And now, the last three are very practical. This is intended to be practical. Falling in love with God is the path to freedom. I'm using freedom loosely to describe growth or sanctification, that sort of theological word, becoming more and more like Jesus, the process by which, that fires that process, uh, that infuses that process in our lives with energy and makes these things effective, is love, as we'll try to show. The path to service, how can we gain the energy that we need so that we don't um, languish when it comes to, let's say, a call for service, an opportunity to help a friend, a neighbor, somebody in the city within the body of Christ, without of the body of Christ. It takes energy and motivation. And all this stuff about love is all about motivation. And it's the path to service. Finally, it's the path to mission, and we'll talk about that on the final Sunday of this series, which uh, is on the 19th. Okay, so it is coming. All right, so falling in love with God is the path to freedom. And I was so happy to see Ken, as I always am. Um, he turned me on to this sermon. I don't know if it was 10 years ago or 8 years ago, a number of years ago. And I want to tell you, it's like the most influential sermon that I've ever read. Um, and it's by a guy named Thomas Chalmers. He's a Scottish free church guy, a brilliant theologian, a professor, and so forth, a leader in the church movement, uh, the independent church movement, not independent, but the Scottish church movement and so forth. 
and uh, in the early 19th century. And it's about an 11-page sermon, single-spaced. You can get it in a PDF document online. I really recommend this thing. It's dense. The, the language is, uh, you know, what you would expect for a, you know, a professor in uh, 1820. So it's dense in that way. There, there are actually words in that, in that thing that I, I didn't understand. And I still have to look up. But, uh, so it's dense in that way. It's a little difficult with the language. And I'm going to break it out. But this is the total uh, transformational experience for me is to read this thing. And to understand human motivation. To understand the heart and how this all works. And the importance uh, of love. And I want you to just notice here that the title of this thing, the expulsive power, even that's kind of a big word, it means, you know, the bouncer of the heart. The guy who, who says 86, okay, to some lesser power or affection. The guy that has the power to kick everybody else out of the room. Because, friends, that's what we need. We need force. And we need power and we need authority. We need something that commands our attention and our love. That becomes an object uh, in relationship to which our affections can indeed lay hold. And, and it's a, you know, a love supreme that is needed in fact. So in order to get lesser loves, worldly pursuits and all the things that we are uh, passionate about as human beings for, for us to, to, to uh, supplant the power and the force of these lesser passions whatever they may be in relationship with the world and by that I mean the world and we'll see this in a little while you know First uh, John 2 and verse 15 love not the world this is the, uh, the world and its tendency to evil the world's system and rebellion against God it's the world functioning without reference to God and so forth. And all of the things that are manifested in those kinds of systems that drag us down, take us off course, water down our experience in the things of God, and yet we find ourselves attracted to these things. And yes, it's probably whatever you're thinking about right now. <laughs> that, that you know is that sin that so easily besets, that temptation that grabs your heart. It is that thing you cannot shake. I mean, if you were a junkie, you would know what I was talking about, or an alcoholic. Um, and, and, and I hope you are someone here in recovery, because I want to tell you that this sermon, and I want to say, that here's a little digression, for every person who works in the field of uh, mental health, um, and wishes to gain a deeper understanding of the mechanisms of the human heart, whether this is in pastoral counseling, just in your relationships, you want to bring some insights to your recovery group and so forth, read this sermon. It's the best stinking sermon I've ever read in terms of giving insight into the, the mechanisms of the human heart which fuel our a motivational field that lead to our behaviors and that summon our energies, intellectual, physical, and all those things. Whoops, I hit the backward button by accident. We don't want to do that. So that's the title of the sermon. I strongly recommend it. You won't be sad that you did. Uh, all right. Here's a 
a book, I don't know if you remember this book, it was written back in 1940, Carson McCullers, 23 years old, it hit the New York Times bestseller. And of course, a generation later is when I was in high school and everybody had to read it. I just like the title, because <laughs> it fits this idea. It's an interesting story. There was a film version and so forth that might be worth a peek as well about loneliness, etc., about how the heart seeks, ever is ever seeking objects uh, that can indeed become legitimate objects of, of love, of passion. And in fact, it's the way we were made. And some people think, well, the thing to do, and there are, I mean, look, listen, if you look at the, at the range of religion in the world, look at world religions, and if you know anything about Buddhism, for example, Buddhism is dedicated to the idea that desire must be eradicated. And that is a fool's errand, my friend, because the human heart, okay, is built in such a way so that it is, by definition, it's like... Um, Full of desire. It forever wants, and it forever wants to love. That is how we were built. You know, we're worshipers, all of us. You know, you might not even be a Christ follower, but I tell you today, you are born, you are created as a worshiper. You will worship what you love. You will follow what you love. So the problem here is not desire itself, because desire cannot be eradicated, except through death. The problem that we, that we run into as human beings is, what do we choose to love? Who do you love? Who do you love? Who? Bo Diddley. Remember Bo Diddley, man, back in 1962? Who do you love? Who do you love? Listen, that, that is the essence. I also think of Jefferson Airplane. I'm dating myself again. Don't you want somebody to love? Don't you need somebody to love? You better get somebody to love. Listen, your heart will be full of love for something. But the problem is, is what is it that we choose? Who is it that we choose to love? And that is the key, man. When we're trying to find a path to freedom. So let's just look at this. I want you to notice that desire is at, it's, it's in the basement, man. It's in the foundation of the, of, of the human soul. And it cannot be eradicated. So that's a problem for us when it comes to temptation. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. There's no explanation in this, forgive this long word, etiology of sin. That is, this tracing of where does sin come from. The wise elder James is explaining to us, here's where sin comes from. It comes from where? Your desire. But where does my desire come from? There's no explanation for that. And that is because desire is already there. It lives in the basement of your house. It's who you are. It's what the human heart does, by definition. Desires. And it can be awakened. And it can be sent in a number of directions. And, of course, here we're talking about negative, evil directions, destructive directions, what have you. 
But the word desire is not an evil word. To dis- it's in, in fact, a few minutes ago as we shared in the communion supper together, I made reference to a quote from Jesus. And guess what? It's the same word. Jesus is passionate. Jesus is passionate, man. And Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, yet without, apart from, sin. So there's nothing sinful about desire. It's just human. And not only human, but God the Father, okay, has, has desires. He has desires. He expressed his, di- his desires through the revelation of the Holy Spirit to the Son. And the Son said, I'm going to do whatever the Father wants me to do. That is whatever the Father desires. That is my principle for action in my life. Why? Because I am completely besotted in this Trinitarian experience of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm forever going to do what pleases Him. The Father, the Son, the Spirit has His desires. And, and that's why the Spirit can be grieved. He can be hurt. Because we will not, do not listen to His desires. We conduct ourselves according to the pattern of the world. Which is this pattern in which we don't care about what God says and what God does. What His desires are. We want our you know, you hear something, the heart wants what the heart wants. And sometimes it's actually used as a justification for a rationalization for, like, sinful behavior. I can't help it. It's in my heart. It's in my heart. And in our culture, what do you hear more than anything else? Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Man, come on now. Watch out. You watch out. Don't you follow your heart, whatever your heart wants, unless you know that your heart wants God, when your heart wants God, when your heart wants the Father, when your heart wants communion with the Spirit and with the, with the Son, and when you begin to live in this kind of resonance, okay, with the love of God in Christ in this deep, I mean, sensation, and, and it's okay to even use a kind of a physical reference here because there's a real sensation, of feeling and knowing the love of God in Christ. And when your heart is filled with that kind of dynamic, that's when you follow your heart. Um, so there is desire, when it has conceived. Now, one, one further thing that I want to say. Desire leads the charge when it comes to human behavior. When desire finds its object, then guess what happens? All the machinery of the human personality comes to support that desire. Your mind begins to strategize. I wake up in the morning, I want to get high. Why? Well, because that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about me now. I ain't been high in 40 years, so I'm more than like 45. But I know what it's like to wake up in the morning. And the first thing you want, yeah, it was 45 years ago, uh, is to get high, get drunk, whatever. I have worked in the recovery community here for the last 20 years in our city down at our hospital in the focus unit. And that's what I hear, man. That's what I hear from all the folks. Strategizing. So my heart wants that, okay? Therefore, my mind, okay, begins to strategize. And once my mind begins to, to envision the uh, securing of that which I deeply desire and so forth, then the will kicks in 
And when the will kicks in behind the mind at the bottom of everything being the desire, oh man, then I'm, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Sunday liquor stores are open here in Minnesota today. So, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not railing on nobody. I'm just saying, the only reason I mention it is because I want you to see the mechanics of the human heart, how desire is at the bottom. Once desire is established, okay, then all the mechanisms of the human personality come in behind to support, to seek, and to secure the object of my heart. That's true if I love God as well. But in this direction, this kind of desire leads to death, according to James. That's what sin brings forth. But, and I've already said this, Paul expresses desire. This is only one example. This is this inner dialogue that he shares in his writing. He says, I desire to depart. He's talking about, should I even stay in my body? <laughs> should I just go home and be with Jesus? Because I'm passionate to be with Jesus. Not to be in the world, but to be in the presence of my King, my Lord, my Savior. Should I do that? I'm torn. But he considered it in the end to be more effective for the fulfillment of his total mission as the apostle to the Gentiles. He knew his, his job wasn't quite done. <laughs> so it wasn't quite time for him to go home. But he had that passion, that abiding passion to be in the presence. He had an abiding passion, I'll say, in addition to be with the people of all the churches that he had planted. And you, read, you see this word come up in his writings like, I tried to get over with you cats. I wanted to hang with you, man. I wanted to get across uh, the ocean to see you. I would have done anything to get to you, but the Holy Spirit said no. The doors closed. I couldn't get there. But man, I, I want to, and I'm going to one day. I want to I preach this gospel to the ends of the earth. Uh, God opens doors, and I'll go. That was his passion. Nothing wrong with passion. It's the content Okay, and Jesus. Now, and this is our verse that we began with today. I've eagerly desired, I am so passionate to have communion with my children. And, uh, and that's him. So we have this challenge. 1 John 2.15. And Chalmers' sermon is really an exposition of all this. He's trying to answer the question, how do we uh, detach ourselves from the love that seems so deeply rooted within us for those lesser things, the things of the world, the world in the aspect of a system in rebellion against God and all of its manifestations, including evil, substances, illicit relationships and behavior, an inordinate desire for wealth or power or sex or any of those kinds of things, that are so easy for us as human beings, man, because that desire is there. We have an enemy. He knows how to stimulate that desire and put that object out there in front of us. We know what this process looks like. And yet that, that, that desire for those things, it seems to... And here's, here's where we have to remember, it's not who we are. Having desire is who we are, but not having evil desire. Desire is not evil in and of itself. It's merely 
human. It's a part of being created in the image of God. So we must be very careful. The question is, is since that, all that stuff is so deeply seemingly ingrained within me, how do, I, how do I get rid of it? Now, the rest of the sermon goes on to say that there, there are essentially only two approaches that are taken. The moralistic approach in which people are taught uh, bad, 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 don't, 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 empty, 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 uh, and so forth. It will lead to this, it will lead to that, and so forth. None of these arguments work. You should come with me sometime, and perhaps you've been there. Bless your heart. I love my recovery people. And in my therapeutic group encounters, etc., I mean, you hear all this story. I, 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 I know it's vain. I know it's empty. I know it's fundamentally a useless thing. And, and this could be said about any kind of, any kind, okay, any kind of indulgence that's outside the will of God. The thing desired is vain. The thing desired is bad. The pleasure derived is fleeting. Indulgence will lead to death. I mean, you can even threaten punishment. Indulgence will mean punishment. I knew all that stuff, but I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. Why couldn't you stop? I even knew that it was harmful to me. I knew it was killing me and my family and all of those things. Those arguments won't work. Why? And I've already explained such, and I'm quoting now from Chalmers, and I won't do a lot of it. Such is the grasping tendency of the human heart that it must have something to lay hold of and which, if rested away, without the substitution of another something in its place, would leave a void and a vacancy as painful to the mind as hunger is to the natural system. And the natural system for a human being is to desire. Look at this next short paragraph, the strong man whose dwelling place is there. And you remember Jesus told the, the parable of uh, talking about uh, sending demons out of a soul. And the demons go around, they're looking for some place to hang around, they come back, cruising around the neighborhood, they look down where all them demons had just been kicked out of, the place is empty. Ain't natural for a soul to be empty, man. And so what do they do? They say, man, I'm moving back in there. That looks all nice. Somebody swept it out. That's cool. A strong man does not easily give way to another occupant when it comes to a place of supremacy within the human heart. It takes force. There's only one thing that works. And you have to have a more powerful affection. You have to love God more. You have to allow the grace of God, the manifestation of his eternal love, as expressed in history through the birth, the sinless life, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his great love for you, to pre be presented to your awareness in such a way so as you begin to take real deep pleasure and find real deep satisfaction in the contemplation, not of these lesser things, but in the contemplation of the love of God, which has now, and this is the whole goal and the path to freedom, begun to be predominant within our hearts and souls so that there's no room anymore for that lesser stuff. No room in the end, baby, 
I'm all about Jesus. <laughs> Ain't got no room for none of that stuff. I got nothing on earth that I desire. Psalm 73, besides you. What have I in heaven besides you? Whether it's in earth, on earth, or in heaven, my supreme joy and delight is not in anything, but only in Jesus, my Lord and Savior. It's only in God. And that's why, I mean, I love him. More than all. Remember he said, remember he said to, to John, this beloved apostle, do you love me more than these? Nobody knows exactly what he was talking about. I'll just say that. These what? Well, these brothers, these fishing nets, these boats, these beautiful surroundings, these awesome meals, man, that we have together around the fire. Do you love me more than these? That's a huge challenge. And listen, it's in that consideration, in that contemplation, and in the answer to that question that you will find freedom. You will find freedom and hope as you move closer and closer to him. This is why we're doing this daily devotional thing. You can still get in. I forget what, what the key word is on the text. I think it might be 50 days. 5-0-D-A-Y-S. Every morning you'll get a, a little devotional. And we're on about day 28 or something right now. And it's just a, a verse or two in a very short a devotional thought and the whole thing is designed to help us look past the clouds and the and and the fog of war and just to lift up our hearts for a moment pushing all else aside and for like 20 seconds early in the morning to just fix our eyes on the beauty that Mike was singing about <laughs> the beauty of God the beauty of his great love. Yeah. That's the only thing that works. And it's the love of God. So, back to Chalmers. For this purpose, let us, if possible, clear away that shroud of unbelief, which so hides and darkens the face of the deity. Oh, Lord, remember Keith Green's tune? You're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. For when your grace is on this child, that's, that's, that, 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 is, that, is, that is an appetite. When that fills your heart and you are seeking the beauty that is in Jesus Christ, so easy it is through faith to behold. This is the kind of thing that will capture your heart. And you too will be besotted, besotted, beside yourself in love. You will fall in love with the living God. But we have to fight a bit. We have to concentrate. Let us insist on his claims to your affection. That's what he wants. It's not, okay, you obey me and then I'll love you. No, his love is prior. It's foundational. It gets there before everything else. And now the rest is for us to believe, receive his great eternal love. He claims for himself, supremacy within the field of our affectional life. That's what he wants. Not your behavior, but your love. And whether in the shape of gratitude, we have much to be thankful for, don't we? Or in the shape of esteem, he is high and lifted up. His train fills the temple. 
He is an appropriate object of affection, of love, and of worship flowing from the heart of his redeemed children. Let us never cease to affirm that in the whole of that wondrous economy, he's talking now about the gospel, the purpose of which is to reclaim a sinful world unto himself. He, the God of love, so sets himself forth in characters of endearment. See, I I love some of this 19th century language. He shows himself as beautiful and as desirable uh, to you and to me. He presents himself in the aspect of his beauty so that we would desire him. That not but faith, only faith, and not but understanding, he really loves me. He really loves me. And by faith, I believe and I receive the eternal love of God. Nothing but faith, understanding is needed on your part, to call forth the love of your hearts back again. So here is the, the purpose, the inspiration, and the direction of our series. Love God. It will put us on the path to freedom. Please pray with me. God, we thank you so much today for your great love. And once again, I ask that your love will be made manifest in the room. For every heart, Lord, help us to turn toward you, to believe and to receive your love, and to respond as we're about to do. As Mike leads us in worship.